Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Did you like that video? Those millennials, right? Man, oh man, oh man. Well, we're uh, in a series right now called Those Millennials, and this is our second week. If you missed the first week, be sure to check it out on our podcast. But we're actually taking a, a really honest look at millennials. We're, we're not here to bash millennials. We don't believe in generalizations, and we don't believe that God just stamps a label on everybody. Uh, not everybody is the same. Everybody's different. God's created us unique. And so it's not fair to say a whole generation is this way or that way. But gen- uh, there are uh, some strengths and there's some weaknesses to every generation, right? And so we can say that uh, some generations tend to lean one way or the other. Uh, there's, there's a lot of similarities. Now, millennials are stronger in areas that previous generations weren't strong in. One strength that millennials have is that uh, they, they want to make a difference. They want to make an impact. They don't just believe in working a job just to pay the bills. So that's, that's a huge strength. But I want to read, uh, read a verse, just because this is a verse about King David and who he was in his generation. And this is actually the Apostle Paul preaching in the, in the book of Acts 13, uh, verse 36. But he says, for David... After he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. After he served the purpose of God in his own generation, that's when he fell asleep. I think that's a really powerful scripture because he had a purpose in his generation. Another translation says to serve his generation. A purpose of God to serve his generation. So he was really called, and, and the, the Bible tells us that we, God has preordained the time and the place that we are to live. So that means that God called you to be a millennial, and God brought you here, and for the here and now. He, he knew where you were going to be born. He knew where you were going to live. He knew how old you were going to be and the time, uh, the time of history that you were going to live in. And so God has a calling on your life, and I believe that we have some incredible potential in millennials. I believe that you guys are going to surprise some people. And I'm excited about the future, but I love this verse. After he served the purpose of God for his generation, he fell asleep. God has a calling on your life, and you can't die. Don't allow yourself to die. Don't allow yourself to fall asleep until you have served your purpose. That's what I want Uh, somebody to say of me. That's what I want my kids and my grandkids to say about me. He didn't go until it was his time and he served his purpose for his generation. I believe that you guys in this room are called to be leaders in your generation. You guys are supposed to be the head of the pack of the millennials and lead the way. They are looking for leaders. They're looking for you. And as Christ followers, we need to be at the head of the pack leading the way. We need to be people of influence because that's how we're going to change the world. So, as I was saying, millennials have a lot of strengths, right? Uh, they, they want to fight for a cause, but they often struggle to find that cause, and they often don't know where to get started or how to get started. But if they have a passion for something, they're going to give their lives for it, but what they need is clarity and a starting point. So those are two areas we're going to focus on tonight Clarity and a starting point. Because if millennials, if we 
can get clarity, and we can get a starting point, we're going to run with the vision that God has given us. Now, first let's talk about clarity. A while back I was teaching some young adults about time management, and I had this big, clear jar. It was like a big pickle jar. And uh, I had these, these large rocks, and I put these rocks in the jar and filled the jar till I couldn't fit any more large rocks inside of it. And I asked the group of people, is the jar full? And most people said, yes, it's full. And some people said, no, it's not quite full. Then I had uh, another jar of pebbles, smaller little rocks. And I was able to pour these little pebbles in, and they filtered all through the cracks of these big rocks, right? And then I asked again, is the jar full? Because I filled it all the way up to the brim. Yes, it's full. That's what pretty much everybody said. Then I brought out a bucket of sand. And I poured the sand in. All these tiny little grains of sand even fell through, yes, the big rocks, but even through the little pebbles. And all the way from the bottom, shook it, you know, and it keeps, sand comes all the way to the top. So let me ask you guys, is it full? (laughs) I brought out a bucket of water. And I poured the water into the sand, and the water goes all the way even through the grains of sand, and it fills all the way to the top. And so the point is, is that if you put the big rocks in first, then all of the other rocks will fit. But if you fill it full of pebbles first, or if you fill it full of sand first, there's no way that you're going to be able to put the big rocks in. There's just no room for them. So we're talking about clarity. Let me, let me clarify as we talk about clarity. The big rocks represent the most important thing in our lives. God's got to be our biggest rock. He is our number one biggest rock. When we put him first, things start to become clear. Who am I called to be with? That's a big rock. What am I called to do with my life? What's God's plan for my life? That, those are big rocks. When we put first things first, and when we major on majors, then the minors will take care of themselves. But our lives get really confusing when we major on minors and we minor on majors. None of the big rocks can fill. And so you see a lot of young adults that are just confused. They're just kind of wandering around. They've got a lot of passion. They want to do something significant with their life. They want to do something important. Like I said, they don't want to just get another job. Like They want to do something that's going to make an impact, which is a very admirable quality. But we need clarity. We really need clarity. So how can we get some clarity? Well, first, we can ask God for clarity. How simple is that? Ask, Jesus said, and you'll get an answer. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Seek, and you will find. That's a promise that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. So sometimes the most simple thing is the thing that we overlook, but ask for clarity. The next thing we can do to get some clarity in our lives, and if you, maybe you're coming in here tonight and you're feeling like a little confusion, like just the, the, the water has become muddied, And you're not even sure what you're doing with your life. I mean, we all have days like that. Like, what am I doing with my life? Anybody ever ask yourself that? Am I the only one? Okay. What am I doing with my life? Well, what's amazing is when you spend some time with the Father. When you you get in his word and you read the Bible and it might not have anything to do with what 
your questions are at the moment. Anybody ever do that? You read the Bible like, I got some serious questions. I'm hoping all of them get answered in my Bible reading time today, right? And sometimes it, it doesn't happen like that, that you don't find that verse, that one verse that just fits perfectly. Sometimes you do. But it's just amazing how things to become clear anyways. You know, um, it, a story that you're reading, the verse that you're reading may not have anything to actually do with what you're going through, but things just become clear because these are God's thoughts and these are God's ways. His ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. And when we spend time with him, things just start to become clear. When you spend time with, Jesus is the answer. So when you spend time with the answer, you start to get answers in your life. When you pray, how much better do we feel when you just take a walk and you pray? And you just get all this stuff off of your chest and cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Prayer is such an amazing thing. We really take it for granted, don't we? But it's this burden-releasing, chain-breaking power of God when we pray in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. There's power in that. And so things start to become clear. So this is a very simple solution. But if, you're, if you don't have any clarity in your life right now, spend time with the creator, and the creation starts to make sense. It starts to become more clear. So... Uh, millennials, they've got big dreams, but why do they struggle to get started? Some people say that millennials are lazy, but that's not true. I know that's not true. They're passionate. They're ready to give their lives for a cause, but they might just be waiting, might just be waiting for the right moment, the perfect moment, their moment where the photographer sweeps in. And the, the wind comes, and it's blowing their hair, and it's a beautiful skyline behind them. The perfect moment. And that often paralyzes people. Paralyzes us into doing nothing because we're waiting for the perfect thing. We're waiting for the perfect start, the perfect moment. It's all got to be perfect. Well, it just doesn't work like that. Honestly, perfect moments, they don't come around very often, and they're really overrated. Because an artist doesn't just create art in perfect moments. An artist gets up every day and creates art whether he or she feels like it or not, whether the moment is perfect or not. And God is the ultimate artist, but you're created in his image, and so you're an artist too. And it can't just be, you know, you're not supposed to go out there and create and do things just when you feel inspired, you just got to get up whether you're inspired or not and make it happen. Start somewhere. So when perfect moments don't come, for a lot of young adults, it just becomes this thing where it's like, ready, aim, aim, aim. And we don't pull the trigger because the moment's not right or, uh, you know, it's just, not, it's just not perfect. But we've got to learn how to pull the trigger. We've got to learn how to get started. And a lot of times you just have to get going right? It's very hard to steer a car that's in park. We got to put it in drive. We got to step on the gas and you got to get moving. And then you have something to work with. You have a little momentum and then you can steer and you can navigate and you can go where God has called you to go. But we've got to get going. And a lot of times we're waiting for that special moment where God is wanting, you know, we want God to speak to us and we want this light to come down from the clouds and the sun and we want to hear this voice, but 
It doesn't always work like that, does it? But you know what? God has already spoken to us through his word. What are we doing with what we've already been given? We've got to take this. Another reason that we struggle to get started is we don't like small beginnings. This goes back to what I spoke about last week, which was the issue of pride and arrogance. Nobody wants a small beginning because what are people going to say? Like if I start really small with just what I got, I mean, if I want to start a business, say if I want to start a, a lawn mowing business, and all I, all I can start with is a weed eater in one house, and it's a family member's house, my grandma's house, that's a small beginning. I don't want to tell people my dream of having this great lawn care business, and they're going to they're gonna ask me what I've got. I've got one grandma's house, and I'm just weed eating, just trimming. I don't want to tell people that, but you know what? Small beginnings are really the only beginning. Even great things start small. And like I said, we have to start somewhere. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, the Lord says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We've got to begin. We've got to get going. God is calling on your life. God has put something in your heart. You've got something that you've been thinking about for a long time. A dream, a vision from God, a passion, a burden. It's time to get going. You're not going to make it happen all in one day, but you can get started in one day. When uh, Noah had to build the ark, it's going to take him 100 years to build the ark, but it all just started with one nail. you got to start somewhere, right? Even for Noah, who built that incredible thing, started with just one nail. So another reason that millennials can sometimes struggle to get started is a fear of commitment. How can I commit to something when I don't know what the future holds or what if I commit to volunteer at the church and a better opportunity comes along? Like if I commit here, then as something better comes along, I'm gonna miss out on the really cool thing because I already committed to this kind of boring thing that I don't really wanna do anymore. These fears often paralyze us because we're so afraid of doing the wrong thing that we end up doing nothing. Like I said, we've got to get the car moving. Jesus asks us to commit. Now, he doesn't ask us. He demands for us to commit to him, and he's the one that holds the future. Too many times, we're addicted to certainty. We want to know how the story is going to end. How is this going to make me look going down the road? Is this going to be successful? Because if this isn't going to be successful, and if this, I'm not going to grow as a person, or I'm not going to climb up the ladder because of this, then I don't even really want to start. You can't know that. You don't know the future, but God does know the future. Don't be afraid to commit. When Jesus was calling disciples to commit to him, he never told them what was going to happen going forward. In fact, if he painted a picture at all, it was kind of a bleak picture of there's going to be pain. You're going to be persecuted. But you're going to be rejected. You might be thrown in prison. You might be killed. Like he did not have a very, uh, he did not have the recruiting speech that some of our college football coaches have, right? Or basketball coaches. Like he was not bribing people to join his cause. And some people would say, well, I, I want to, but. 
I want to follow you, but I got to go first and go back and bury my father. Jesus didn't give that guy any slack. Let the dead bury their dead. If you want to be dead, you can stay behind and you can bury the dead. But you go and seek the kingdom of God. Go and be a disciple. Jesus asks, he demands for the commitment to come first. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me every single day. He doesn't tell us what the future holds. He doesn't tell us how it's going to end up. So we've got to trust him. And trusting in God can sometimes be hard, can it? But it's good for our relationship with him. God is going to put us in situations where we can't make it without trusting in him. But it's all part of God's plan to know us more. Like He wants us to know him more. So when he puts us in a situation where we're really being tested and it's really difficult to trust God, those are great situations to be in because we draw closer to God. You can't trust somebody that you're not close with. And so we've got to be really, really close to God to trust him more. And he loves that intimacy. He loves how we get closer and how we start seeking him. That trust is a powerful thing. And so you're going to be put in all kinds of situations where like, I have no idea how this is going to end up. Trust God. Don't be addicted to certainty. Certainty is a poor substitute for faith. We're not supposed to walk by certainty. We're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We're addicted to certainty. We're addicted to our sight. We want to we wanna know how it's going to end up. But God doesn't give us that. God's plan for our lives is a mystery. And we have to embrace that mystery. It's an adventure. And so it's part of our relationship with him. We get closer the more that we follow him. It's time for you to embrace that mystery. If you've been on the fence, if you've been neglecting to start, maybe you have not put first things first. Maybe you've been majoring on minors instead of majoring on majors, and your big rocks haven't gone in the jar first. Your jar is just cluttered up with all kinds of sand and all kinds of pebbles, little things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. We've got to get that junk out of our lives. Dump your jar upside down. Do something drastic. Make a big change. But whatever you do, make room for the big rock, which is Jesus. He is the most important thing in our life. Make room for him. So now is the time to do that. I want to challenge you. Now is the time. In your relationship with Jesus, how is it right now? Is your relationship with the Lord, is it strong right now? Now is the time to seek him. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to worship. Don't wait. Now is the time to to get in his word and make a commitment to get in the word and just read for five minutes. Start there. Five minutes a day reading scripture. Now is the time. Don't wait for it. Whatever God's dream that he's put on your heart, now is the time. You don't have to achieve it one day, but you can start in one day. And let's not wait for that that perfect moment, that special moment where it's like, oh man, I just love to you know curl up with the Bible on a cold and rainy day, cuddle up in my rocking chair with a blanket. Like if that's what we're waiting for, 
well, good job on spending one day a year with God because those days don't come around too often. But like I said, great artists, they do it whether they feel inspired or not. And so it's not about inspiration, but now is the time. Now is the time to read. Now is the time to listen. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to obey. God has been calling you to do something. You've been putting it off and like making excuses and trying to justify it. Now is the time to obey God. Now is the time to witness to somebody. Now is the time to invite somebody to church. Now is the time to be bold. That's the kind of millennials that God has called you to be. You're called to be one of those millennials that starts things and they do them now. They don't put them off. They don't listen to fear. They don't wait for certainty. They don't uh, have a, a, a confused and muddied life. They have clarity and they act and they go out. Now is the time to volunteer. Now is the time to serve. Now is the time to get involved. Now is the time to join a small group. Join a small group. What are you afraid of? You've got the time. Yeah, if I had more time. If you had more time, you'd watch more TV. Now is the time. So do what God has called you to do. So I'm going to recap for a few next steps. Number one, get some clarity by putting God first. He's your big rock. Put him in first. Make time for him. Number two, don't despise small beginnings. God's put a dream on your heart. Don't be afraid to start small. Great things happen when you start small. And number three, start now. Now is the time. Do it now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It says that you rejoice to see the work begin. You've called us not to despise the day of small beginnings. And so help us. Help us with that, Lord. We're asking for you. You said if we ask, that we'll have an answer. If we knock, the door will be open. So we're knocking tonight. We're coming to you tonight. We're coming boldly to your throne. We ask for clarity. We make a commitment to put you first. You're the most important rock in our life. We seek you, God, and we want to do what you've called us to do. And We want to know you, Lord. So we decide to make you first. So we ask just for clarity to come, for the confusion to go. Your word says that you, God, are not the author of confusion. If there is fear that's holding anybody back, I just pray that they would be set free tonight by the power of God. Your word says, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So I just pray fear breaks off of your people right now. Show us where to start. Show us how to steer the car once we get going, once we have some momentum. And I thank you, Lord, You're taking us to the next level. And this group of millennials are going to be some of those millennials that people look to for leadership. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.